Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, everyone. Poker and Politics here. Today, I'm going to be talking about what I call balancing the scales, which is basically the act of trying to make it so that a terrible thing has happened at the hands of a terrible, powerful evil. Uh, One of the great examples of this is the Holocaust being committed by the Nazis. The Nazis literally ruled Germany, they literally conquered most of Europe, and they committed the unspeakable act of the Holocaust. So, terrible act committed by powerful, terrible people. People can make sense of that. They can wrap their heads around it. They're like, that's an evil that was committed by an appropriately evil entity. Now you go to the Kennedy assassination and you have the murder of a president who, uh, with the uh, power of hindsight and history, and if you've studied the Cuban Missile Crisis at all, you're like, wow, that guy probably saved the world from being ended in nuclear war. That's really awesome. It's a really good thing we had John F. Kennedy in office at that period of time, where things could have gone really bad really fast. And so you have this literal world-saving hero in John F. Kennedy, who is this young, charismatic, articulate, brilliant man who's the president, and he's murdered. And the official history of what happened is that he was murdered by an idiot. Just this minimum wage working, shiftless layabout who defected to the Soviet Union, then came crawling back when the Soviet Union wasn't wasn't cool enough for him, had a wife, abused her, was just kind of a dirtbag, and this guy decides one day to buy a rifle for like 10 bucks, mail order, and um, doesn't even really work that hard to kill the president. Just sort of has the president drive literally... Uh, ride by his work, so all he had to do was go to work, find a window, point the gun out the window, and kill the president. Like, the laziest assassination you'll ever find. At least the other three guys that shot presidents actually had to, like, make the effort to go to the president directly. The president didn't come to them, as it were. So, 
a lot of people just can't square that circle that you have great world-saving, awesome, handsome, smart, intelligent, brilliant, beloved, popular president dude murdered by a generic mook, just some random slob. And so they got to balance the scale. They've got to imagine that the CIA or the Russians or the Federal Reserve or some other hideously evil entity did this terrible thing because it's the only way they can make sense of the world. It's the only way they can bring balance to the uh, equation, as it were. And so you have that need. And now with the coronavirus, you see it happening again because QAnon and lots of other people, they got to find a way to kind of make this make sense. And it's got to be more than just a bat had a virus transmit to a pangdalong, or however you say the name of that animal, and then some person ate that uh, animal, and then the next thing you know, boom, millions of people are infected, and tens of thousands, probably soon there'll be hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. And it's just that kind of crazy, really mad kind of stuff that happens, and People don't want to wrap their heads around such a weird Rube Goldbergian series of events being the reason why they got to stay at, stay inside for weeks at a time. They want to imagine that some greater power, some dark force, was actually behind all this, and that will make that makes it make more sense because it's far more logical if this worldwide pandemic was caused by the Shycoms. Or, or the Cabal, or Bill Gates, or just some entity that they can hate or blame or wrap their heads around. I remember a while ago, I think there was like a school shooting and some stock market crashes or whatever, but your, your usual like run-of-the-mill stuff that we used to have happen in our daily lives that was problematic. And Julian's Rum said something to the effect of, man, if I didn't have Q, I'd be so worried about all this. And that really reflects on how these people view the world. That QAnon is a coping mechanism. That QAnon is a way for them to handle the crises of our, of our lives. That knowing that there is a massive good and a massive evil locked in perpetual struggle for all of eternity itself is reassuring. It makes them feel better. They're able to wake up in the morning and say, I hope the good guys beat the bad guys, because if that happens, everything's going to go smoothly. Everything's going to be a-okay. In it's really a weird way to live your life because having to imagine that there is this monstrous evil that needs to be toppled or is being toppled, it just seems really strange to me. I, I don't understand how it's really soothing or reassuring to know that there is this truly horrific monolithic evil that exists only to destroy the world and disparate forces at best are working to fight it. I mean... If you really look at Donald Trump and you are filled with confidence about his ability to handle such a, a, an adversary or opponent, 
man, you you have way more faith in that dude than I do. Uh, boy, howdy, let me tell you. It is uh, not a great look in my, from my point of view. I think we're in a bit of trouble if he's the last line of defense between us and the uh, global satanic pedophore ring. Let's just say that. I think Q-Team could have gone with John Kasich or Marco Rubio. I wouldn't want them to go with Ted Cruz because he'd be way too happy being the president right now. He's a terrible person. But there were options. Q-Team could have picked better. Trump was probably not the right guy for the job. But that's the, that's the world. That's the thing we have to deal with is that these people really want this titanic struggle. They want the Illuminati and the New World Order to be battling against God. And that's what really kind of makes me question everything about these people, because they're so angry, and they're just so constantly searching for validation and victory. They're so constantly seeking some way to justify their faith and their belief when God wins. That's the end of the story, is that God wins. And you would think that people who knew and know that God will triumph in the end would have no need to constantly tell us about the mass arrests that are about to come. They would have no need to tell us that we're going to look bad, that we are foolish, that we are ignorant, that we are stupid. They would be confident, quiet, smug, because God's going to win. They're going to get their payoff in the end. It's coming. Nothing can stop it, as they like to tell us endlessly. Yet, instead of that quiet confidence and that uh, assurance that victory is nigh, and that even if it is not nigh, it assert assuredly is inevitable, it's the endless chest beating, it's the endless decoding, it's the endless working around of all these things, it's the endless prattling on about how good everything's going and how happy they are about the, the state of play and their inevitable victory that will arrive at some moment very soon and boy will you look stupid for doubting them you dumb idiot q-hating shill troll clown and it's, it's that constant cycle of being so jeeped up and so angry and so just bent out of shape over everything when again you're gonna win so what do you care i'm gonna look i'm gonna be wrong at some point i'm gonna be wrong you're, you're not gonna have to you don't have to worry about it at some ill-defined point in the future i'm gonna have to tweet out yay QAnon was right i was wrong boy is my face red you got me boom nailed it sorry i uh, bend the knee i surrender to the superior brilliance and insights of QAnon. hashtag god wins I mean, that is what you tell me is going to happen. That is the inevitable payoff of all of this. And yet you just can't be quiet and accept your victory. You're, you're very bad winners. Let's just put it that way, QAnon. You're very bad winners. And I wish that you would be nicer about these things because it's going to be very hurtful when I, when I inevitably lose, which I have been told a million times I will lose. Speaking of our boy Q, I just wanted to talk about this for a little bit. It is incredible how the QAnon community has no desire for Q to do anything. I mean, go to one of the archiving sites. From March 9th to March 21st, Q did nothing. Had, uh, from the, I should say, from the 10th to the 20th, he did no posts. 
then on March 20th, he did a he had one post which was a uh, music video from a JFK Jr. truther that he had linked to previously. So he literally just did a uh, rehashing of an old tweet. Then he took a day off because that was way too much work for him. And on March 23rd, he blamed the Shycoms for coronavirus and then just started whining and uh, looking at uh, and bringing him Spygate and some other crap. But that was his one cue drop about the coronavirus. It was on March 23rd. And he blamed the Shycoms for it. And that was it. Then... Uh, he quoted, then on March 26th, he brought up Abraham Lincoln's suspension of habeas corpus, which Joe M. Uh, thought was a recent action. Didn't catch that it was old Abe who was the one pulling that trick. Um, he retweeted Education for Liberals in the video that I did a breakdown on. He uh, put out a cute drop that, that defines what a patriot and a traitor is. Uh, his most important thing. The high effort uh, Q-drop that he made was literally uh, telling Austin, the fake Q guy on YouTube, to shut the fuck up. That was his big payoff. That was the huge move that Q did. It was on uh, March 26th, Q-drop uh, 3902 was reiterating no outside comms and just uh, Telling Austin the pound sand, and then Austin was just like, "This information is necessary, bro. Woo! What are you gonna do about it? Yeah!" And that's what happens when you admit you're lying all the time. People can just say that you're lying when they need to say you're lying. So tough shit, Q. Austin Steinbeck's still gonna crush this, and Jim Watkins and his band of grifters can't really stop him if he wants. If he can beat a bunch of uh, Q. Anon followers into his version of the grift, well, then that money is going to go his way, and that's the way this world works. Uh, and then on the 27th, he, uh, he retweeted somebody and said, This is not another four year election. Blah, blah, blah. And then he just literally rehashed a bunch of old Q drops on the 28th. And his last Q drop was a picture of the American flag, which he loves to post. And that was it. Q has gone dark since March 28th. And so that's almost uh, it's the nine days now since Q's last posting. And in those postings, he has not talked about coronavirus at all. Just standard blah, blah, blah. They want you divided. They hate us. They're, they, they, they reject our glorious, brilliant movement, and we shall uh, achieve victory at some ill-defined point in the near future, and it's going to be really awesome and great. And that's it. That's all he's got is this just dumb, rah-rah horse shit. And it's really incredible that these people have been following this guy for, like, two and a half years now. And they're totally devoted. They're totally bought in. And he can just shovel shit and they accept it. They just take it. Because, again, he went radio silent for 10 days, then posted a bunch of meaningless crap. And the one Q drop that he has done about coronavirus, which is literally the only issue in our world right now, it's the only thing anyone really cares about, 
was just, oh yeah, by the way, the Shrine Commons did it to try to tank the economy and make Biden win. And you have QAnon losing their minds, talking about the mole children, talking about three days of darkness, which has been a downgrade from ten days of darkness, talking about all kinds of stuff going on, just making up whatever nonsense they can about Tom Hanks getting arrested, blah, blah, blah. And it's just so amazing that you could have the leader of this movement literally just dip out for weeks on end. He was gone for 10 days in the middle of the month, and now he's been gone 10 days, or almost 10 days, since March 28th until now. And he's just not posting. And when he does post, he doesn't talk about coronavirus. And I really just feel like it is because Jim Watkins or the guy that Jim Watkins has hired to write the Q post for him really just has no feel for how this is going to play out. He doesn't want to dip his toe into the wrong waters. He doesn't want to uh, bring up like the hydrochlorine or whatever and be like, hey, this is a cure. It totally will work. And then if that goes wrong, then Q looks really bad. Uh, I mean, it's just... It's really mind-blowing that you have the Q character whose entire basis for existence is that he is Trump's right-hand man. And he is giving us just hardcore insider information, just ultra-important, ultra-relevant data that only someone deep on the inside could possibly give us to help us figure out what's going on in our crazy, just scattershot world and to make a little sense of things and to put two and two together and to come up with our decodes and to figure out the truth, the hidden meaning behind everything. And you would think, in this time of unprecedented crisis, with the American economy teetering on the brink, with, thousands of, with over a thousand Americans dying every day from the coronavirus, with the cases in America just exploding exponentially, with everyone just in a terrible state of panic and nervousness, with everyone locked down and trapped in their homes, you would think that this would be the moment when the leader of this movement that is designed to save the world, and let's not understate that, this is what QAnon tells us is going on, that Q is literally here to save the world. And Q's out to lunch. Q called out sick. It'd be great to save the world, but he can't be bothered. Meh. Too old and too rich for this. He's just going to take another week off. And he'll probably be back in a little while. And when he does come back, he'll complain about Gate Or talk about Hunter Biden. Or talk about some arrest of some dog catcher in Poughkeepsie and how that's uh, a sign that the dominoes are finally starting to fall, and that uh, we're going we're gonna to get justice. We're going to get justice very soon, because it's, it's coming right down Broadway. Don't you, don't you cats and kittens worry about it, because we're, we're getting there. We're getting there, we're almost there. Trust the plan. Just keep trusting that plan, you stupid rubes. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I, I really, I mean, I've often said this, but it's like if I was an actual like follower of QAnon, if I believed in this stuff... Q would piss me off so much. I would really be angry at them. I would have given up on them, really. I mean, because the inactivity, the indecisiveness, the total lack of communication in important moments such as this, I, I would just really find them fraudulent. And it just goes to show how desperately these people want this to be true and how much they need to believe in it, that they're willing to tolerate such incredibly crummy low effort, low energy posting and inactivity from their supposed leader. I mean, it just goes to show that they really can be treated as badly as humanly possible and they're still going to come crawling back to this guy. They don't have any other, uh, there's no other port in the storm for QAnon. It's their uh, single-lettered, very inattentive god and they're going to worship him come hell or high water. So uh, that concludes my rambling for this section of the podcast. So we are on to the all-important questions section of the podcast. And uh, McCabe asks, At what point do the folks thinking Trump is the savior start to feel that maybe the cure is worse than the disease? Uh, This is really interesting because, I mean... I think that once we get through April, and I feel like we're, we're going to be locked down all the way through April, and the lockdown may extend through May. I don't know if it'll go much. I don't know how much longer it'll go beyond that, but it's not going to be great, I don't think. But once we get to May and nothing's happened, and the lockdown is still going on, and the people are still dying, and we're going to have the flare-ups getting worse in different sectors. I mean, I think Florida is going to become the new New York in a few weeks. And other other cities are going to also go on the same trajectory. I just think it's just going to be this really terrible series of brush fires where you're going to have New York burn through its coronavirus issues. And then after they do it, Florida will do it. And then probably Texas will do it. And... All these red states where they're just not doing stay-at-home orders and they're just allowing people to go out and stuff like that. It's just, it, it's just so scary. It's just really terrifying. I, I, I was thinking about this, like, for the past few days, I've just sat around and I've said to myself, how, how are they ever going to play NFL games this year in stadiums with crowds? Because I just can't see it because... If you've got one person in a crowd of 60,000 people who has it, that probably means at the end of that game that a couple thousand people have been infected. 
because they're going to walk around and they're going to breathe on people and they're going to sneeze and they're going to be sitting in these bleachers and everyone around them is going to get infected and I mean it just it just seems so dangerous and just so unsafe to have massive gatherings of people <laughs> you're going to basically like until we have the vaccine and the vaccine is more than a year away most likely but until we have the vaccine, if you want to have a massive gathering of people, you are literally going to have to have a stationing point uh, away from the venue where people can walk up to somebody, get tested for coronavirus, receive a negative result, and then be admitted into the building. And that's the, like, the only way you could do it, because if you didn't do it that way, if... Let's just say, like, because I'm I'm from Boston, I'm a Patriots fan. Let's just say the Patriots have a like a football game, and like fifty, sixty thousand people go to Gillette Stadium, and after that game, like five thousand people have coronavirus, and two hundred and fifty of them die. I mean, everyone's going to sue the Patriots for having an unsafe uh, situation. Everyone's going to be suing everybody. And you're going to have such an incredible amount of liability on your hands that no uh, business is going to want to take on that risk. It's going to be terrifying. So, I mean, I just think about that. I just think that, that like this isn't something that's just going to go away. I, I hear so many people talking about, oh, man, in a few months when everything goes back to normal, it's going to be so cool. And I just, man... I don't think we're ever going to, we're not going to get to back to normal for a long time. Just back to normal is just, whew, boy, howdy. That is, we're so far away from that. I don't even know if we ever get there. I really don't. I don't mean to depress you. I don't mean to bum you out. But, I mean, I really feel like our lives are going to be uh, pre-coronavirus and post-coronavirus. I really feel, I feel like this is like a uh, paradigm shift in uh, society. That we are we we lived a life before this happened, and we are going to live a different life after this happened. It's going to be like uh, the way I am as a uh, Gen Xer. I am. Uh, I read articles about this guy. I love studying uh, generations and that kind of stuff. And I'm a subgeneration called an Xennial or an Oregon Trail uh, generation where I had a analog childhood and a digital adulthood. I had rotary phones as a child. There was no internet when I was a child and all that stuff. And then when I got into my teenage years, there was an internet and that, that became life. And everyone who was born in like 1990 or beyond doesn't know the analog world. They grew up with an internet. They grew up with the ability to go online and talk to people. And it's just become more and more digital as life as time has gone on. But I really feel like this this is going to be the same kind of thing. That like the advent of the internet, like coronavirus is going to be like that kind of line of demarcation where you're going to remember how things were before this and how things are now after this. And maybe after we get the vaccine, it, it'll start to tamp down. Maybe after the vaccine, we can kind of get back to where we were before. God, I hope we do. 
And boy, howdy, I cannot wait for the coronavirus vaccine for a million different reasons, not the least of which is watching QAnon absolutely have a stroke over it. Oh, man. If you thought people hated anti-vaxxers before, wait till they come out in spades against the coronavirus vaccine. Just imagine. Just imagine this hell that we've been living in. And the fact that this hell that we've been living in is going to continue for another month at least, and probably for more months after that. I don't think we get out of the woods for until the fall, really. Just God, God, it's... Sorry, I'm so sorry I'm being depressing here, but I just can't help it. But, I mean, just imagine this massive disruption that we've had to our lives, and that finally, finally some scientists are going to come up with the answer to this thing. They're going to come up with a vaccine that will keep us safe and protect us from this terrible disease. And you're going to have lunatic pricks all over social media screaming to not take the vaccine, to not let the deep state inject you with their poison, to not let the government infect you with their disease, the true disease. The coronavirus was a giant cover story to just get the vaccine in you that's like full of all kinds of horrible toxic chemicals that will just kill you dead. You're, I mean, you're just going to be, those, these, the anti-vax movement has no idea how angry they're going to make people at that, at that point. Because, I mean, there are people who are, are, that are accurately angry at them, which is, you should be incredibly angry at them. But I think a lot of people think of them as just weirdo, idiot, morons who are stupid. And they get on some level that they're dangerous and bad, but. They don't really understand it. I don't think it really hits that that whole hard for them. But post-coronavirus, oh, man. Oh, boy, those people are going to be in for a real weird awakening when they find out that everybody really fucking hates them. Oh, man. They're, they're going to be in for a really rude awakening that their stupid fringe beliefs are about to come, just come crashing into reality as hard as you could possibly imagine. Because I think everyone in society really wants a goddamn vaccine so we can try to get back to some semblance of normalcy. And they're not going to be cool listening to a bunch of dickheads screaming about how the, if you uh, take the injection, it's going to let the government microwave you to death with 5G rays and shit like that. So yeah, that's going to be great. Uh, uh, Kelly Dolan, or Keely Dolan, says, Who or what do these various cult... Uh, people think the invisible enemy that Trump references are, if not the coronavirus. Uh, the invisible enemy is usually the cabal or the shy comms. It's the de I mean, it's just the boogeyman they want it to be. And uh, there's one guy that's in my timeline constantly yelling at everybody, and he's been very angry. And the invisible enemy to him is obviously the deep state. And we're we're going to be saving the mole people from the the mole children from them very soon. Uh, then, um, I don't know if this person was talking to somebody else. Someone uh, asks. Apparently, it was the uh, scare company from Monsters Inc. Uh, yes, the scare company from Monsters Inc. is uh, one of the great enemies of QAnon. Because uh, QAnon people believe that Monsters, Inc. was the uh, cabal telling on themselves. And just uh, letting everybody know that this is what we're really doing. We're really scaring kids for power and energy. And what's so hilarious about this is none of these pricks ever 
get to the payoff of Monsters Inc. They never get to the end of the movie. Because again, Q, uh, QAnon is incredibly disingenuous and they are always lying. Because if they did tell us what the ending of the story is, the ending of the story is making children laugh is ten times more powerful and grants way more energy than scaring them. The whole point of the movie is that the monsters were just doing what came naturally to them. They were like, oh, we're monsters. The children are scared of us. Scaring them generates a small amount of energy for us. So that's what we're going to do. It turned out that if the monsters had just put in a little hard work, a little elbow grease, a little determination, they could get more out of being funny and entertaining. And it's an incre I mean, if you think about it, the message of that is really powerful and really touching. It's a very like easy metaphor for relationships and how people are. And it's saying, like, look, it's one thing to go around scaring and intimidating people and getting your way by being frightening and menacing. But if you actually form bonds with people by being nice, by being kind, by being considerate, that like those relationships are far more rewarding and far more uh, meaningful and, and good for you in the long run. So, like try that. I mean, yeah, being a monster and being scary is easy, but maybe if you just do something that's hard, do something for, that's a little more challenging, the payoff will be just really, really incredible and really rewarding. It'll be totally worth it. And they can't, QAnon can never deal with such subtlety and messaging. It's just got to be, everything's going to be just this like, really dumb brick through a window, Gallagher smashing a watermelon level of just dumb, blunt, painfully obvious. There's no meaning here except for the just on the paper writing of it. Unless it's a Q drop, then it's just full of layers like a fucking onion. But uh it's just that. It's just that like they, they won't accept that there's an actual like depth to Monsters Inc. Because it ruins their narrative. It ruins the message. And they'll never, ever, ever let the truth get in the way of the goddamn narrative. Uh. <laughs> uh, Crenshaw Crook says, uh, questions you say? Uh, Q, questions equal Q, exclamation points. Could be nothing, but definitely could be something. Every QAnon. That, uh, my good friend, is a decode. You've done a great job. You've done a service to God and country. Uh, as I like to tell people who've made such brilliant deductions, uh, good catch, Patriot. So, uh, good job. Uh, officially promote you to a uh, one popper. You may put a uh, popcorn emoji in your uh, name, and no one can challenge your rank because uh, me and uh, Dapper Gander uh, have the uh, right to confer uh, medals and military ranks to our listenerships and our Twitter followers. Uh, I don't know if Dabbergander ever will have a podcast, but if they do, it'll be great. You need to listen to it. And uh, you should all check out Dabbergander's Twitter feed also. Dabbergander is the best. The literal best. Is Dabbergander over 3,000 followers right now? Because uh, I was told when you get to over 3,000, you have to eat a baby. And uh, 
I guess the deep kids are a little behind the times right now because they haven't gotten the knock on the door yet to eat my baby. Sure, it's coming any minute now. Yep, Dapper did it. Dapper is over 3,000 now, so congrats to them. That is great. That's something that absolutely should have happened. Uh, finally, uh, this is not a question. It is a quote about the balancing of the scales from Alan Moore, who is uh, a very um, optimistic dude, as it were. Uh, the main thing that I learned about conspiracy theory is that conspiracy theorists believe in uh, conspiracy because it is more comforting. The truth of the world is that it is actually chaotic. The truth is the truth is not that the Illuminati or the Jewish banking conspiracy or the gray alien theory. The truth is far more frightening. Nobody is in control. The world is rudderless. And that's exactly right. That's really what this comes down to. Because people don't like to know that. They really don't want to think that a bat and a pangolin and some idiot has just destroyed the world. It can't just be that. It has to be more than that. It can't just be Lee Harvey Oswald in a window having the President of the United States right up right next to him so he could shoot him. I mean, it just can't be that dumb and simple and easy. There has to be layers to it. There has to be more. Because if there isn't, then the world's a nightmare hell and they don't want to live in it anymore. So uh, that concludes uh, tonight's uh, scintillating podcast of me balancing the scales, then going off on a tirade about how Q is an absentee cult leader and sucks at their job, and if QAnon had any self-respect, they would disown him and go right back to worshipping the Illuminati New World Order crap. But they don't, because they're absolutely, just totally sunk cost fallacying this shit all the way into the ground. So uh, please vote for Joe Biden on November 3rd and kill QAnon, because that's the only way uh, we can actually falsify this uh, terrible nightmare of a cult. I understand you have your reservations about that. I'm going to do another podcast uh, about uh, the terrible Democratic Party and how we can fix all that tomorrow. It's going to be really insightful. I'm going to lose a million followers. I completely accept and acknowledge that. But that's life. That's the way this. this that's the way the world. That's the way the world works. So I will catch you all later. Have a great one and stay safe. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.